0: Hello, everybody! Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the SpiderCast. I'm your co-host Michael, and as always, I'm joined by
1: Joshua Mervell, And today we're going to be uh, well, we're going to be looking at some uncanny X-Men issues from 1985 featuring
0: Spider-Man. That's right. And speaking of crossovers, we have the full cast, the full volume with us this week: G.I. Jolie and Harvey Ooh. Brent. Hello. Hello! Oh, I
2: forgot to turn Thanks my off. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yes.
3: How silky does my voice sound? Is it silky yet? What? It's silky. Silky. What's up, guys?
0: <laughs> hey. Uh. So, yeah, the reason we... Uh, I mean, Jolie is with us pretty much every week, but the reason we decided to have Brent as a guest <laughs> is because, Brent, you are a big X-Men fan, right? I...
3: yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the X-Men. I think I'm... I'm mostly interested in the 90s but i there are some there are some helpings in the 80s and the late 70s that i, I just can't stay away from um this particular two issues that we're, we're reviewing i don't know if that falls in that category but i'm, <laughs> I'm happy to discuss nonetheless
0: well it's <laughs> funny you should mention that because i grew up on 80s x-men and just to clarify when you say 90s x-men do you remember like issue numbers or storylines or anything that you can like tell us be Give me like? that
3: blue team and that gold team. I'm obsessed with the artwork. I'm obsessed with the actual affiliations. That's my that's my my go-to. But I, I will say though that the storylines in the 80s and the 70s, the actual sagas, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga, Days of Future Past, regular Phoenix saga with the Shiar Empire, those are iconic stories and much better stories in the 90s, but I just I can't stay away from that that lineup in the 90s. <coughs>
0: Understandable like that's basically, you know, it's kind of like cartoon era, right? Like whatever was in the Mm. cartoon that kind of era Totally. Yeah, right now. It's funny because I have been reading Tons of Bronze Age comics over the past year and a half because of this podcast and because of uh, Flea market fantasy that I do with Mike Dell so I have been like you know reading stories by Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas and Len wine and all these different guys and I gotta say, going into this two-parter, I remember it as being possibly the worst, or the, my least favorite Chris Claremont story of his entire seventeen-year run. Okay. <laughs> however, Jeez, it's
2: a good thing we read it.
0: <laughs> yeah. However, <laughs> I gotta say, and I'll save my my you know detailed review for the end, but I found this refreshing, but I also found it confusing AF. Okay. Yeah. Now. I did send an email to you guys because what happened was I started reading 190 and I was like, what the Christ is going on? So then I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a three part story and I just didn't realize it. So then I started reading um, 180, X Men 189. And I actually, 189 is a really good done in one story. And then I got to the end and I was like, what the hell? This has nothing to do with 190 and 191. Then I read the review. Of 190 and it said oh yeah blah 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 all this was set up last issue i'm like what so i went back and i looked at 189. i don't know if you guys got the email but i sent you like two pages where basically in the previous issue there's a guy that gets this medallion and he's like looking at it in his locker at work and blah 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 and then if you go to the very end of the issue um he's he's got the medallion again and he gets kind of like mugged and then something happens and it gets activated and then it just says next and age undreamed of. And then the next issue, it's like they've skipped ahead and everything's already been done. But the, uh, before I even get into this storyline, can we agree that the beginning of the story was confusing as fuck?
1: Um, I actually mean? didn't mind the beginning parts of it.
0: Okay, okay. Personally.
1: I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of just throwing you in the middle of a story there. There is this, um, We we kind of like cut into a meeting Happening in the White House And there's this agent talking about How this like Bubble has opened in the middle Of New York and everything that goes Inside of it is transformed Or altered into Like a past version of itself So like everything About them is the same except for their Appearance and Kind of how they think as well Like they think that they're from this like Long forgotten era of, like, mm-hmm. magic and, and, like, knights, and it's very, like, medieval. Right, um, right, right. So I, I didn't mind the setup of it because they, they did a pretty clear job of, like, telling that part. It's when they start jumping into the story with all of the mutants and catching up where everybody <laughs> is, and then...
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so, when, it,
1: to me, it starts to get really messy.
0: Well, and I'm going to summarize this best I can, but basically... Mm-hmm so yeah the x-men as well as every other superhero in new york most of them right which is you know the avengers um spider-man the ff and daredevil are not involved dr strange is there but basically uh, we get yeah. yeah we get this sort of oh and the new mutants as well so mm. we get this sort mm-hmm. of sword and sorcery story where all of these characters not only are they be, sort of become sword and sorcery characters but apparently none of them are speaking english Um and none of them have none of them have memories of anything from the real world except for Spider-Man. Um and basically they have this adventure which again I don't quite it's like I just read it and it's hard for me to remember exactly what happened. But they kinda just have this adventure and then um at the end of it, most of the characters or many of the characters end up getting killed, including Spider Man. Uh, including, I think Colossus and some other ones. Rogue. Rogue, mm-hmm. right? My girl,
3: Rogue. Shout uh, yeah.
0: Right. And then, be- and then at the end of the uh, story, um, <laughs> they end up. So some- I don't even remember how they reverse the spell, but they do.
2: Well, they trap, cool and the gang in a gem. <laughs> right, right. And let's see here. I wrote some notes. Um, they trap him in a gem, and they, for some reason, then there's I don't know who Jamie Rodriguez is, but they have the gem, um, and then someone drops it into a puddle, and it prevents him from ex from escaping.
0: Oh, you mean? Oh, yes. Okay, sorry, you're right. Yeah, you mean at the end with Nimrod, right? Oh, yeah. <sighs>
2: yeah, Nimrod's
0: yes. the epilogue. Nimrod. Yeah. which which is oh which yeah, is BT interesting. Dubs.
2: Nimrod's here too, like.
0: Right, and now it's interesting because Jolie and I just did a a huge video review for uh, House of X, which features Nimrod, and this is actually, I believe, his first appearance. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, essentially what they do, and I forgot about this part, is they actually end up going back in time to right before the whole spell was cast, and so (laughs) it's that old time-worn trope where Mm -hmm. basically they all woke up and the story never happened, and the only people that remember are the superheroes, right? Right so well, even
3: only a fraction of the superheroes to be honest right yeah
1: most of them don't even remember i'm mm-hmm. assuming it's like the first people to cross in with dr strange um right. after this like bubble opened up everybody else that wasn't there just happened to be um already in the bubble when it opened up or passed through and didn't realize what was going on so this is like the original crew that went to stop it and right. it's almost like dr strange had like a save point so that way when everything ended i guess see that's it's not even clear as to exactly what happened
2: yeah mm-hmm. because like
1: and i'm we like don't... reading a
2: synopsis
1: right <laughs> <And that's> the <laughs> yeah. only
2: reason why it's clear to me
1: as a reader we mm-hmm. do not know what the heroes are trying to do um to mm-hmm. save the day mm-hmm. we just know that they're <clears throat> fighting these people and that's really all that uh, this this like warlock i can't remember his name weird Call alien wizard name right um <laughs> We don't know that they're trying to take the talisman away from him. Um, we, no, we don't. It's not indicated at all. It's it's. We get to the end of the second issue, and the writers say, "Oh shit, that's right. We need to end this story." Um, I guess Storm can just rip it off of him, and then <laughs> boom, the the story is done. Doctor Strange says, "Yeah, um, uh, everything's fine now that we stopped him. We went back in time." uh and none of that actually happened so all the characters that you just saw die and like all of these events um doesn't really matter nothing happened and i guess we'll just keep reading x-men now continue on (laughs) like it's it's so weird because i i actually think that this is kind of a fun idea this is really unique and i think that um having it almost like a it seems like this guy's like a rivaling sorcerer to dr strange Uh, when we were first uh brought into the comic we are quickly shown that dr strange is completely incapacitated and um can't really help like his mouth is completely gone Mm -hmm. um and all of his like his fingers are long and stringy and he can't move them properly so he can't Mm -hmm. Um, like uses hands to make spells and he can't say them, so he's like completely trapped and is helpless. Um, right. Professor Xavier has been like mashed in with another mutant and Caliban, Calib- yeah. Cali- right. right? Right. And um, he can't really help. He's he's being enslaved by this sorcerer, so it's kind of just up to this like ragtag group of uh, former superheroes who are now like just adventurers to try to save the day and that's super fun and if they're trying to like solve a mystery of how to solve like to solve this problem and like how are we going to stop this guy it was never a question of how are we going to stop them they're just fighting and then all of a sudden spider-man who we don't we're never explained as to how he um, is immune to changing Mm -hmm. but he just doesn't change and he still knows he's spider-man he somehow knows that this guy is controlling everything through the amulet and he burst out of his crucifix at the end of the comics uh, at the end of the comic just to save the day
0: yeah. and there is an explanation but you have oh. to read Marvel team up number Ew. yeah like well you have to read uh, n- Marvel team up no. like number one what is it like I don't know what issue but basically Chris Claremont and John Byrne did a long Marvel team up run and in that Run. They did a story with this character, and Chris Claremont just decided to bring him back. So, I don't know. I'll I'll just say that there's a lot about this two-parter that epitomize why some people criticize Chris Claremont, even people that do like him, criticize his writing around this era. Mm -hmm. But, like I said earlier, in contrast to so many of the bad comics I've been reading lately even though I didn't know what was going on, I still found the writing refreshing, but so there's, yeah, there's I,
3: no doubt. This was an entertaining 2 part mm-hmm. Like I, I was entertained. Was right. it good? <laughs> no, But it was, I was enjoying the ride, but I'm like, this is just, this is episodic trash. Like this is not anything that stands out in the lore of X-Men or Spider-Man for that matter. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Jolie, what are your, what are your first impressions for the story? Um I do you know what I
2: agree with Chad jo- what Josh said Whoa.
0: She's Hello? on mute.
2: Oh. Oh darn. It's okay. My recording has been recording this whole time. <clears throat> <laughs> so initially um initially when I started reading I was like wow this is not in English. It's uh, in it's in some strange iambic pentameter that no one understands anymore. And uh okay this is fine. It actually wasn't that bad. I agree with Josh that in the beginning, when they sort of eased you into the story of what was happening, it was understandable. Everything was understandable. And then it became quickly gibberish. Um, there, uh, th- I've read things where people applaud Chris Claremont for having the like wherewithal to include the Avengers and the New Mutants and anyone that was kind of like in the Manhattan area, because that would be the scope of what's happening. Mm -hmm. If someone were to cast, like, is it Kulin Goth, if he is, if he is a warlock that is casting a wall to create a sword and sorcery fantasy for our heroes slash himself, of course it would envelop everybody. Um, And they the characters even say that uh, that somebody I'm not sure I can't remember who says it. It probably is Spider-Man, but he's like, I can't hurt anybody because the people here are like, these could be my friends in real life and I don't know it. Right. Right, right, yeah, right. and it's it's very Wandavision.
3: <laughs> so I was gonna, oh yeah. man, you stole my talking point, Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Just to make it about us here at full volume, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna first of all I was gonna ask Mike, did you purposely pick this two-parter because it deals with a distorted reality, a la Wandavision? No, was that
0: no. It? It's okay. because we follow chronologically every Spider-Man appearance, and he just happened to be in this issue. So okay. we doing it. Yeah. How? Well, the
3: timing convenient. is on your side i think right. that's kind of that's that's i think that's a whole talking point within itself is just like you know a a twisted reality done right a la wandavision and then something like this where it's it's just so messy um right right but i yeah Jola, you totally stole my talking point there i was gonna say like i yeah. think i would actually probably hate this more if we weren't <laughs> talking about a lot of these like twist, twisted realities right now. Like, at least it gave me a mm-hmm. frame of a reference to think about. And I'm like, oh, this is the rule of this reality, you know? We have um, Kulan Goth, who's, you know, made this quote hex, which, by the way, when I first read the issue, I'm like, who's Kulan Gath? Like, I was just so like yeah. unfamiliar. <laughs> it was like, it was just very, like, not. Not a name I'm familiar with, um, but just to kind of like be like, OK, what's what's the rules here in this reality? And obviously it's a lot more far fetched and different than something like WandaVision um, and a lot more hokey. But it, it was entertaining. That's the thing, you know, and uh-huh. I, I maybe it's just maybe that's just a similarity amongst a lot of these um Twisted, distorted reality premises we're going through right now, because like, Wanda Vision is ridiculously entertaining inside the hex as well. But mm-hmm. I did kind of take away that dichotomy between you know inside Manhattan and then and then the outside world. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool, I guess.
2: Yeah, and it it wasn't it wasn't bad. it It just wasn't good, and I felt like it was breathing at a normal pace as I began to read it, and then it like began to hyperventilate. Into a paper bag. Quicker and <laughs> yeah. quicker and quicker. And it slowly. No, quickly. It quickly got convoluted. The moment you see Storm. Um, it happens right after the very first sort of. Um, superhero that you see in this universe. It's Storm. And she fights her way out accidentally. Because part of their hex is that they are. Uh, their Their will to leave it. is diminished um, by the spell so by accident Storm and I think it's is it Callisto?
0: Yes Callisto Mm
2: -hmm. Storm and Callisto are um, they're pushed out of it because they're in the water they accidentally leave it and suddenly they um, they know who they are they know what's happening and they need to get back in a la Agent Wu, right, like, right, 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 and Monica Rambo, and that, that's, and then, and then, and I hope this is not the fate of our our favorite show, but like, it really gets convoluted at this point,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where they start um, because all of these people who happen to be in the vicinity of Manhattan are in the hex. Um, we happen, we have to know all of their stories. We have to know what everyone is up to and uh where 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 they fit in in the grand scheme of things and it's really hard to follow i actually accidentally at one point i was like what the heck are the new mutants doing here
3: oh i know that threw me for a loop too yeah
2: well anyway
3: I was going to say, too, though, I I did appreciate, actually, one thing that maybe, and I I don't know why I'm comparing this to WandaVision, but this is just the thing (laughs) that's sticking out in my head. I think the one thing, actually, that I really did like about this story is the fact that it was Storm and Callisto that escaped this reality because they are already, at this point, pretty big natural enemies like storm is the leader of the morlocks at this point and she won that leadership from callisto so right. one thing i think actually they slightly touched upon it once storm and callisto left the the reality but like this is almost like having two two unlikely allies or strange bedfellows have to team up together and that's something that's actually super entertaining in theory mm-hmm. did right. they exit did they execute it well not really, but they touched <laughs> on some tension there, which was kind of cool. And I'm like, oh, man, right. if they would have expanded on that and had like a little, um, you know, even throughout one when they get back into reality to have Callisto and Storm, you know, try to achieve the same goal while also going at each other's necks. That would have been hella entertaining.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really strange. I feel like that should have been our main focus throughout and everything else should have been a, a B story. But mm-hmm. It seemed like the entire story was B plot. Like right, I, I don't, right. I don't know who the focus, uh, uh, focus was in this story. Like it, nothing really made sense. We bounced around, I think, way too much to really be able to like focus on one character. I, I, yeah, the that's and I think a
0: great point. Yeah, and, and
1: I think that that's really where this suffers is. There's no story.
0: Mm. yeah that's a good point like, there's a wh-
1: premise where, where they're all trapped in this bubble and then we just follow these characters as they're kind of bouncing around surviving and then things just end once Spider-Man snaps out of it and Storm combines herself with Warlock
0: <laughs> right, and right.
1: turns into like Techno Storm
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. it's the best See- kind of Storm
1: I mean, it it's, looks cool. Yeah. I mean, you know
2: what? I'm behind that.
1: I'm not really sure what the fuck happened, but it looked
0: cool. See, it was this pretty is, cool, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like with every writer, there's different things they're good at and different things that they're bad at. And I feel like the, maybe there's other writers where I can understand exactly what's going on and everything's very clear. But maybe the ideas are not interesting or maybe sometimes mm-hmm. the writer doesn't take it as seriously. But... I do think Chris Claremont is really passionate about these characters. So that's a good thing. Like, you know, uh, to even think to put Callisto and Storm together in a story is cool. It's a good idea. Like Brent said, it's a great idea, Uh, you know, to have the thought to have the Avengers in there and Doctor Strange is cool. It's just that, yeah, it's like you said, uh, I think it was Josh. It's like there's no A story. It's all B story. He doesn't know what to focus on and what to leave out. And so he just puts everything in, right? Everything. Mm-hmm. And it, ideally, what he would do is, you know, you'd go back into a second draft and you'd go, okay, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. So you can focus in on what's important. But since he doesn't do that and he thinks everything is important, it's kind of this mishmash where I just read it yesterday. And to me, a great comic is when you finish it and you could pick it up and read it again. But this comic, even though I did enjoy it, I, I'm looking at these pages. I don't even remember what happened. Mm -hmm. I was tired by the end of it. Right, exactly, exactly.
1: I agree. And it was so, like, it gave me whiplash, this ending. There's so much happening. Spider-Man is literally crucified, and he rips himself off of a cross... Yep. Warlock combines himself with Storm And she rips off an amulet that we've never Heard of in this arc before oh, Like yes. e- like everything is Coming to Vision and Colossus Are fighting and Vision tries to like um, Like t- turn Up the uh, uh, his density Inside right. of Colossus and they both Explode and <laughs> shrapnel Like kills <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain right. America Just so much is happening and then All of a sudden they're they're in the Sanctum Sanctorum and and everything is just done. The that everything that we just read, all that like mush of garbage, it has mm-hmm. just been wiped from existence. And it's it sucks. I, and I think that again, if if they would have made made Storm the main character of this story and were following her, who because she is self aware of what's going on in here, she's been pushed out of the portal mm-hmm. and goes back in to save the day and she does still technically save the day in this issue, but we don't see her journey really throughout. (laughs) Like we kind of do, but it it doesn't really matter. Um, it's also muddled too by <laughs> having freaking Celine show up.
3: Like, what was that? <laughs> like, yeah, was that even yeah. necessary? And then Eliana's magical sword being able to take people out of the, out of the, you know, the influence of Kulungoth. Like, mm-hmm. just so much going on, and and just like I felt like so many rules were made up for these two specific issues.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, it's very strange, and you know, I, I think that a, a way to fix that jarring ending would have been to have storm reflect on the fact that she was talking with dr strange about everything and you know kind of like distraught in in the apartment like he said that you know we would we would go in and get out and everything would be saved but look at look at what happened and like you know kind of like hint that they were meeting before that way when everything is kind of reversed we're aware of right. what's going on when we're pushed out and it doesn't, See, it won't feel as much as like a shock ending. Cause we know that that would have been the plan the entire time. It's kind of like end game, I guess with, you know, they, they wanted to, um, we're kind of seeing the aftermath of after the snap, right? Everything's kind of gone to shit and Dr. Strange is gone. He was supposed to help save, uh, Save everybody from this sorcerer taking over the world, but now she's kind of alone and helpless. So it's well, it, it makes sense when everything is then reversed afterwards.
0: Well, here's the thing: is like I just reread the ending, the client, the quote climax, and again, <laughs> right. I, I I read this and I don't even remember this happening. But basically, this is what Doctor Strange says. He says, "Uh, there may be an alternative, although in its own way, the consequences could be as devastating. I sense and miss." Rasputin, an extraordinary ability to manipulate the forces of time itself. If I can work my magics in concert with her own, and this other mutant talent, it is done. Well, welcome to my sanctum sanctorium. That's the end. that's the climax. Mm-hmm. He just he just realizes it. Now that is not a good story. Nothing happened. Like nothing. There was no new piece of information. There was no big choice made. It was just like. Oh, you know what? I realized, guys, I could have fixed this all along, but I just didn't think of it till now. That's basically what the ending of the story is. And then when we get the epilogue with uh, Nimrod, again, I read number 189, but I completely forgot about the epilogue. So for you guys that hadn't even read it, you wouldn't even know about this scene because this scene was paralleled in 189, except now Nimrod's there. And so basically, because Nimrod comes back in time and blasts this guy and and helps this guy who's getting mugged because the amulet doesn't get destroyed the last two issues didn't happen but how would you know that if you hadn't read 189 right
1: yeah which
0: you didn't (sighs) so I, i think chris claremont's expecting a little bit too much from us and like i know that other writers like grant morrison people say it's hard to understand his stories but i find yes they are but when you reread them they're usually much better but with chris claremont it's a different kind of confusion I don't know. I think, I think Chris Claremont's been
3: sniffing a little too much in the past mm. couple of issues. <laughs>
0: I think it's. I don't know. I, I love Chris Claremont, but I think it's a it's a little bit chaotic, uh, disorganized.
2: It's chaotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't want to say self absorbed, but it's a little. He's assuming too much. It's kind of like this. I'll get. Gi- I'll give a pathetic example on my part. When mm. I when I when we first started doing comic book syndicate. When I did the end credits to our show, I would put in all these little in-jokes and, like, running gags. No one ever got them because no one's watching the end credits. No one gives a shit about the end credits. And I think it's almost like Chris Claremont is expecting too much, like, come on, Chris. We weren't reading that hard into it. Like, we're not... And I'm not saying hit the reader over the head, but it's kind of like you got to give a little bit if you're going to take. And he's not giving us enough to warrant that much scrutiny from us I don't think.
2: No. Could I, no, could I be wrong? Like it's if you love something enough, you'll pay attention to the end credits. Um but even me working on the show didn't care about the end credits. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So uh, the yeah. fact that I the the idea that I love X-Men, I love the Avengers, I love Doctor Strange. I don't love them enough to allow this story to fully form in my mind i don't know
1: i i think the big difference with your analogy mike is that people can still watch episodes of the comic book syndicate and then watch the credits and understand everything that happened mm-hmm. and okay. for the people that are fans and read into it they can get those little in jokes <laughs> where this normal readers don't understand what the hell is going on right like right. if 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 the story made sense but like lines here or there were like hints to other events and it didn't impact the overall story then it wouldn't matter right where this the entire thing um <laughs> is just like bits and parts from like a larger story that we didn't really
0: see right And
1: I think that's the problem.
0: And I think it's also that it kind of reminds me of, you know, sometimes you'll watch those TV shows or movies where people will be like, well, if you would have read the books or listened to the radio audio uh, play, then you'd know about this reference to this character. And, you know, those things never work for mainstream people because you shouldn't have to read the books and the comic books and listen to this and play the video game Mm -hmm. to get – I mean, you—you you, it can add an extra layer, like just like WandaVision. There's mm-hmm. things that we all get that like my parents are not going to get because they haven't read the comics, so that's understandable. Right. But on its own, WandaVision works. It has yes. its own, in every way it works. and It has an entertainment value. But this is just, like I said, I remember it being my least f- favorite C- Chris Claremont story. And that's kind of been reinforced. Like, there are some great things about it, but it's everything that I don't like about Chris Claremont. Uh Yeah. Uh, I just mean, like...
1: I I had to go back and reread things and reread them again and like read them slowly and really think about what was being said and explained to actually understand what was happening half the time agreed and halfway (sighs) through 191 I just stopped doing it.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right. And I was just yep. like,
1: okay, I guess Storm's talking to her mother, I think, through the yeah. robot. Whatever, I don't care, move on. I just stopped. I, right. I was reading the words, but right. I just stopped caring and stopped wanting to understand what was going on. <sighs> yep. Yeah.
0: Yep, I Well, to
2: daydream about, like, tacos.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> you, know how, you know
2: how when you're reading a book and you're like, oh, stop it, like, get focused. Right. I allowed myself to cook a whole Mexican meal in my mind. <laughs> while i read this book because that's how much i cared <clears throat> to read like to read and comprehend it it was so
1: treacherous. i i reading this i was just like I, I i was just trying to think of what story i would want to tell
0: mm. good point like totally. what
1: yeah. what do what do i want to actually be happening instead of <laughs> you know <laughs> well <laughs> this is like I random mean, stuff
0: it's like we said it would have been so much better if like I know that some characters retain their memory, but if we would have stuck with let's just say just it's like whenever there's a TV show or a whatever, like, you know, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk materializes on the on the in the whatever room, and all of a sudden he's in the mirror universe. But he's the only one that knows, right? And then over the course of the episode, he's gotta try and figure out how to get back to the regular universe, but he's also gotta try and make friends with spock so spock can lead to change in this universe it's a very simple premise right Mm -hmm. but in this it it should have been storm and callisto are the only ones that know what's going on they have to figure out how to solve you know how to how to fix the spell and how to beat the bad guy and at the end of the story that's what happened yeah or that is
2: they find the only other character much to their surprise that is also somehow unaffected by the spell Spider-Man. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then the three of them team up to figure yes. it out, and to Good free point. Spider-Man, who for some right. reason
3: is being crucified. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing is, it's always really fascinating when you when you when you read like the backstory of like movies and stuff like that. um Do you guys remember Goodwill Hunting? Mm-hmm. Of course, great movie. Do you remember the scene where Matt Damon is sitting with Robin Williams? And he's, he's talking – I think he's talking about how he was offered a job with the U.S. government. And he's like, so now I'm over uh, and I'm you know dropping bombs on a guy and blah, blah, blah. And he basically works out the logic of what would happen if he would have taken the job. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. He's like, so basically he's – the point of the scene is that he figures out the logical reason why he shouldn't take a job with the U.S. government because it'll, it'll basically make him part of the problem and he figures out a logical way around it. I don't remember exactly how the scene plays out. But the interesting thing about that scene is that in, that was the original premise of the movie. And then they're like, "Well, instead of making that movie, why don't we make the movie about the guy that decides not to do that?" And I love finding that stuff out because, you know, the writing process is so complicated and when you're writing and refining and refining, those are the kind of ideas kind of ideas you have and ideally what would have happened here is Chris Claremont would have pitched this idea to his editor, which I believe was Anne Nocenti, no. whom, whom we all love. But one criticism is that this era, it was that Chris Claremont was given free reign to do whatever he wanted. And, and it's kind of like what we're saying, is that he should have pitched this idea, and Anne mm-hmm. should have said, well, that's a good idea, but you need to zero in, and you need to rein it in and focus on like two characters and their journey through the story. But instead, he didn't do that, and he gave us the Matt Damon scene of him joining, joining the army and bombing <laughs> Libya or whatever he was going to do. Right. So yeah. I think that's what's happened here. Uh, and just a real
3: case of goodwill hunting. That's what we have to say about
1: this <laughs> there <you> issue. Go.
0: <laughs> so let's talk. We haven't talked about the art. Okay. Now yeah,
1: John Romita, Jr.
0: John Romita, oh. Jr. Our pal from amazing Spider-Man who did like whatever it was two or three years worth of amazing Spider-Man. This run on Uncanny X-Men was not popular. Uh, in fact, Chris Claremont basically pushed him off the title. He did not like his art. Yeah. Um, I Here's the thing. I've always liked his art. However, looking at this storyline, pardon me, I can see what Chris Claremont didn't like, but there's also some things I really did like. Uh, let's start with you, G.I. Julie. What was your impression of the art? I'm just going to read what I wrote in my book. Okay. Notes on the art. It's the kind of
2: stylized illustration that works better in creator-owned properties like Kick-Ass. John Romita Jr.'s style, no matter who inks it, reads too fast and too loose for my tastes. In a story that is full of characters and locations, it reads as rushed and sloppy and leaves me wanting a hell of a lot more detail in things as simple as hair and as complex yet secondary as architecture. Um, I hated it.
0: It Whoa. was
2: terrible. I don't want to see it in this. Um, <laughs> it's appropriate in two percent of the panels that are drawn, and um, an example being the way he rendered Warlock. It's very close to like the Bilk Sienkiewicz. Like it's right. hard to draw Warlock. As an artist, I would be scared to have to draw Warlock.
3: Yeah, he's <laughs> like, complex.
2: Um, but there's uh, there's just. Oh my God! Uh, let's see. Hmm. In I think he's inked by two different people. Um. In the first issue, he's inked by. Oh my God!
0: It's Help Dan me, Green. Guys. Pardon? Dan Green. I think Dan Green actually inked both. Uh, but think... it does. It looks different in the second one.
2: Uh, because in the second one, he's he's inked by Dan Green. In the first one, he's not. It's somebody that we know. It's a name that I'm familiar with.
0: Well, no, I'm looking right now. Part one is Dan Green. Part two is
1: also Dan Green.
0: Yeah,
2: what the hell but, was I even reading? Well, oh, do you, what, you know what? I remember. Okay, I know what it one, is. One, one eighty-nine. John Romita Jr. Oh. and Dan Green, artists. It doesn't say ink. So uh, i was just like, oh, that's. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't
0: you know, know what? Like
2: the art. It's John Romita Jr. No, it's terrible. Um, it seems cleaner and more realized in the second issue, I guess. But right. I still don't want to give it too much credit. Um, it's just the thing I hate about John Romita Jr. the most is the the vague brush, the vague strokes, mm-hmm. um, and he does it a lot in this issue. Uh, the second uh, digital digital page, original page two of the one number one ninety one, when he renders out uh, Kulan Goth.
0: Okay, he's one... Just, sorry, page two, you said? or Yeah.
2: Original he, page, you gotcha, okay. Okay, so he's just like... it's It's where he's in the center and then all of the panels are around him. Right. He's just a bunch of strokes. That's an example of like a really cool way to use your art style to mm-hmm. create a magical being. The very first panel behind him where you see architecture and it's <laughs> crosshatch <laughs> lines yeah. is the exact fucking opposite, and it looks
0: stupid. It's just it's, rushed.
2: It, yes. no, it's not even just rushed. It looks amateur. Like right. it, it doesn't
1: look done. Like it looks right. like a draft.
2: Yeah, it looks. Yeah. Do uh, you know what? You couple that with coloring, and it's like, it, I can see how it would look fine, possibly. Um, but still like a draft if it was in pencils or if it was just black and white. Just ink, no color. But Jim, the moment you put ink on that, like, a, can you imagine being the colorist and trying to color or figure out what colors to put in that? Right. I would have just sent that page back and been like, start again, please. Good
0: point.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, and I wonder how much of that is just the fact that there's so much going on. Mm. I, I think that that... Um, I really like John Romita's like characters I really yeah. like how solid everybody looks for the most part Um, but it does fall apart a lot of the times especially in this one with like the shading and the shadow and like filling in those forms mm-hmm. it does feel like sometimes it was just like okay I need to fill this in scratch 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 done uh-huh. yeah like move this no- on to the to the inker
2: no reason why I should feel like personally victimized by the art <laughs> and the story in this, like at this level. But I am. One I thing feel- I will
3: say. I, I really enjoyed, uh, in, bear in mind, I do think this is very poor art, but um, early on in 190, the the long panels of Storm and Calisto taking a dive mm. into the water, those right. were actually really nice. Those yep. really took me in. I'm a big fan of long panels and wide panels that actually tell something. I was able to, to feel that impact of them going into the water. That was well done. Yep. Um, but I will say I was just glancing over 190 again. This guy likes to use yellow and black. Geez, every like, there's so many panels that are just saturated in yellow that it actually like hurts my eyes. Like, well, going that's from a colorist,
0: old, yeah. That's the, yeah. That's a different job, but yeah, I see what you're saying, though.
3: Sorry, yeah, it's more of a colorist, but I'm just saying it's not it's not appealing, and the, right. the, it does nothing with the art style to make it stand out against those different co- like the, or the same color panels. Yeah,
0: you know? you're right. I'm noticing that too.
1: I, I well, also think that it. I really like John Romita Jr. when things are slow. He's Mm -hmm. very good at telling a story about like a conversation or something is happening in a room and he establishes what's going on. And then usually after that, the panels behind the characters are usually Mm -hmm. blank and it's like focusing on what's happening with the characters instead of everything else going on. Mm -hmm. With this story, I feel like the story doesn't know where the characters are half the time the story right. doesn't know what's going on so how would the artist know what to even draw
2: well here's the thing if you're chris claremont you're literally writing into the thought bubble dialogue of the characters where these characters are so <laughs> it is unimaginable maybe do you know what maybe this is just a visual interpretation of like uh, or a visual reaction i should say of of the artist's confusion and frustration mm. when it comes to the script, because I can't imagine getting a script like this and
1: where do you start? Feeling
0: okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I want to give. Okay, can we just look at a couple examples on page one nine or issue one ninety page digital page six, mm-hmm. which is original page six as well. I this shot of these guys sitting at this table. I think it's actually great. That shot of that general mm. or whatever he is yeah those, there you go that's what josh was saying people just sitting around talking those shots are great the inking is great it's almost like klaus jansen or something right like really harsh uh you know inks and then you go to a couple pages a uh, couple pages later to digital page um <laughs> 10 which we already talked about which is probably the best page in the whole story where storm and callisto fall into the water And then we have the the shot of the boat on fire. And then we see that great shot of Storm sticking her hand out towards the boat. Now, me, I think the reason this page really works is because it's very clear action. Like, Mm -hmm. fall into the water, come back up, swim, close up of Storm. But then you skip to the next page, digital page 7. Or, sorry, digital page 11. And this is all abstract crap like where where are they it's you know it's like floating heads and mutating Mm -hmm. guy and then a shot of the bad guy and this is where it falls apart to me because it's not action to action it's just stuff on a page and that's where I think it gets messy you know Mm -hmm. yeah and and, yeah go ahead Jolie.
2: um does anyone else feel as though this could have used a couple issues instead of like a couple more issues I should say instead of just two
3: yeah they could have fleshed this out
1: yeah, I, I'm worried that if they were to have gotten more issues, it would have been the same muddled mess, just three three issues instead of just two.
3: I, you, know what, you know what panel perfectly personifies the chaotic nature of of this entire script is. I think it's at the end of 190 or possibly the beginning of 191. The giant melee that breaks out over Iliana. What? Do you guys oh remember yeah. That?
1: Yeah, that I think that was at the end of one hundred
3: and ninety. Yeah, it perfectly embodies the this the, the like the lack of like clear direction going right. on in these two comics. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Again, nothing yeah. makes sense. And you know, the, the one of the thing again, I love John Romita. He's one of the few artists that I'll, I'll actually buy almost anything he does just to see him drawing because I love his art. But he is guilty of like he actually said in an interview his style is is called a deadline style his style was created as a way to hit deadlines and you can see it in the way that he reuses the same stock poses like if someone runs they're always running the same way if they're flying they're always flying the same way mm. and in the few instances uh, in the story when you see like a pinup shot of all the heroes standing together you know like on page two of 191 those panels If they were drawn by Art Adams, they would have been used for t shirts and posters and blah, blah, blah. But these pinup shots of all the heroes are just so rushed out that it's just like, it just feels like, okay, panel one, okay, done. Panel two, okay, panel three, it's a shot of every character in the story. Okay, I'll get that one done in two minutes as well. And he doesn't put any thought into, like, maybe I should put a little of extra effort into this panel, you know, because people might be paying more attention to it than the shot of, you know, I don't know, the floating head. You know, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't, he just gets it all done. And it's like an equal amount of effort put into every panel, but maybe that's not always such a good thing. I don't know.
1: And I think that is possibly why he is so strong doing those like conversations where something important is, is happening where, when you're told the characters fight, like, okay, I, I know how to draw Spider-Man punching. So right, I'll, I'll right, just grab right. this, you know, this pose of Spider-Man punching I've already done and draw it again. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter because everything is just like thrown together. Anyways, I'll just draw the characters fighting.
0: <laughs>
1: right. It says here, it's they om- fight. So, uh, it's I almost guess like I'll remember, that.
0: <laughs> remember in the He-Man cartoon, whenever Skeletor would run, it'd be the same stock footage <laughs> of Skeletor running or whenever He-Man would fall into a roll, it was always the same shot. That's what it's like unfortunately with john Romita jr and with people like sal busama they tend to reuse the same things over and over again and and sometimes it's kind of charming and like we said they hit their deadlines they're never late so you can give them credit for that but unfortunately when you're rereading it 30 years later and you're in your 40s and you're scrutinizing over every single panel Mm -hmm. it's not going to hold up to as scrutiny right the way something else might You have
2: something to look forward to in your 40s now, Josh.
0: (laughs) But I still love it. So, here's a question. I know, Brent, going back a few months, you had briefly actually hinted at starting an X-Men podcast. Does reading this story make you less excited or more (laughs) excited about doing an X-Men podcast?
3: Ooh, okay, a little bit of both. I think, I mean, I'm not... Granted, I, I podcast with Jolie every week. Uh, you can catch us at Full Volume Podcast as part of <laughs> Comic Book Syndicate. But, I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> I Mike, think that bleep we, that out that, in, in that? editing.
1: <laughs> bleep that out in editing, Mike. Yeah, there you go. Too <laughs> no controversial. Plug, <laughs> Do not. Um,
3: I, think, I think, I mean, yeah, I've talked about it for a while with my cousin to really start an X-Men podcast, but you've been kind of cautioning us, you know, um, just because you want to start an X-Men podcast in the comics doesn't mean you're going to get the same fan base. Like, you're going to get people that are only into the 70s or people that are only into the 80s. Like, there is very distinct groupings of fan bases within the X-Men comics. And so that's it's just some of those considerations that I don't quite have yet. But in terms of this particular issue, I do think this would be kind of fun to analyze through the lens of, of an X Men podcast. I granted, I don't think I'd have many nice things to say about it. Right, right. You, you know, <laughs> once I developed enough of a, a snarky persona where I could really go off on this, you know, in a way that doesn't turn off, turn off viewers, I think it could be kind of fun, actually. And that's probably not the answer you were expecting. But I I do think, uh, you know, stories like this could hold a merit for us, you know, holding up a mirror to them and being like, right. okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And, you know, it's one thing I, I know about, for like, for Bronze Age comics, um, is, like, to me, Alan Moore is, like, the speed of light. Nothing can be better than Alan Moore, and so everything else falls into place below that. You know what I mean, and the closer you get to Alan Moore, I think you your mass increases, but your speed slows down anyway I don't even know what I'm talking about. but the point is <laughs> is that is that every time I read bronze Age comics i it 's like my perspective it changes so fast back and forth where I go. Oh my God, like Steve Englehart, he's so good. I'm going to buy two long boxes worth of Steve Englehart comics and then not read them for 10 years. And then in 2021, I'm going to finally read them, realize they're all crap, (laughs) sell them for 50 cents a pop, and then I'm going to read stories by Mike W. Barr and realize those are good. And then I'm going to read stories by Roy Thomas and realize I hate Roy Thomas. I hate all these guys. And then I'm sitting here reading this, and even though we just tore this thing to shreds, I still think... Chris, I, makes me love Chris Claremont more for some reason. Like, here's the thing. Josh, we've read a lot of different writers in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Where do you, where are you just from reading this story, where do you rank Chris Claremont compared to all those other writers?
1: Oh, that is tough. I, I feel like this is definitely more interesting than Marvel Team Up. Right. Um, <laughs> at least there are some, like, cool things happening. There's some gems. Uh, some, like, things that I never thought I would want to see, but Love seeing like like that Colossus and Vision fight is fantastic. Person <laughs> who can like change their density and be imperme- like impermeable, and then like versus a guy that you know you can't penetrate at all. So like that that right that is fantastic and, and such a fun little moment in this that you can tell that Claremont is having a lot of fun, right? And, right? And right, is right. enjoying what he's doing. Where with Marvel team up. It very much felt like, well, who, what, what comic are we going to try to sell this week? Yeah. What, what, you know, what story are we going to shove Spider-Man into? So this is definitely above that. Um, I, I think that amazing had a really great run when we Mm -hmm. first started. Um, especially with like the beginnings of the hobgoblin stories and there's a lot. Yeah. A lot of fun there. Um, everything that's been happening lately on spectacular is awful. Like this is, I'll I'll I'll, I'll take incoherent junk as long as it's fun, I guess is what I'm trying to say. This was almost fun.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) The idea was funner than the execution. Mm
1: -hmm. I I feel like if I had to read this every week though, it it would be down there with everybody else. (laughs) This feels like when
2: you go to the bar and you're just a little more sober than everybody else. Yeah, that's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah, like, a good you mean. know, standing right. on the wall with Brent, like, making fun of <laughs> this girl because she's a mess, and what is she doing on the dance floor, and why does she have no shoes on, and who are her four other friends, and anyway, like, that. that's what this yeah, felt like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. We're here, we're, do want, we're here to be entertained, we are marginally entertained.
3: <laughs> but also annoyed,
2: you know? <laughs> but mm. also a little bit
3: annoyed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, it definitely, it's, you're totally right in that it's almost like you have to be in the zone. And if you are in the zone, you might really get into it. But if you're not in the zone, you're going to get annoyed very quickly, Mm -hmm. but still be able to look back at it and laugh, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, I guess (sighs) the final question is, Uh (laughs) Josh, do you recommend this comic?
1: Mm, No, uh, I recommend that you go read the Wikipedia page for it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because that does a better job explaining of what the hell's going on here. Um, Mm. There's some cool moments, maybe flip through it, but don't, don't sit down and read it.
0: All right. GI Julie, do you recommend this issue?
2: I recommend you read the synopses by gentlemen of leisure. Available (laughs) online currently and (laughs) that's what got me through this pile (laughs) of trash um do you know what the more i flip through it the more i'm just like no you can't say all those dirty nasty things about romita's art Uh because you actually really like it but no right but there do you know what there are some moments of like utter brilliance but for the most part it just doesn't work in this book Mm-hmm. Um, um, for the Storm storyline, because this is the most I've ever seen her do anything of in any property I've ever read her in. Um do you know what? It's a it's a fun it's a fun look at stuff that Storm's doing. If you're a right. fan of the character, you might like this book. Um Yeah.
3: It's almost a feminist story. They they almost <laughs> could have gone there.
2: Almost, yes.
1: Um, <laughs> there is a woman in it. Yes, <laughs> 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 like that's that's about as close as there I think there's a ten percent the way there. Yeah. yeah, there is a woman.
2: A man is penetrated by another man. Um, <laughs> by magic. No, no. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. By magic. Um, so yeah, oh, it's, it's all magic. It's a third third wave feminism then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'll just say i do like i said this is one of my least favorite stories from chris claremont on x-men but if you are going to read the story at least read the issue right before it 189 because it's mm-hmm. kind of the opposite of this it's a very low-key story with just uh rachel gray and uh, amara magma and uh it has a guest thinker steve lealola Leah Lo- Loha. completely different uh look to john romita's art Mm -hmm. And at least if you read that, you have a little bit of a hint of what's going on in the next two issues. But again, like I said, there is some merit to this story, but it is possibly the least, my least favorite uh, X-Men story by Chris Claremont. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, sorry, were you going to say something?
3: (sighs) Oh, I was going to say if, you know, if we had to recommend this in some capacity... I feel like we should, I sentence these two issues to reside in the waiting lobby of an anesthesiologist's office.
0: Like, can you imagine
3: (laughs) reading these for 45 minutes and then going under, counting back from 99? You're going to have a hell of a time under there. Right, right.
0: (laughs) Anytime
2: there's a sword and sorcery, I don't know if it's just me, but anytime there's a sword and sorcery and nobody is a blacksmith, I'm like upset.
3: It takes you out. You need it, you need the behind the scenes, you know. You need the the mm. foundation of a medieval society, the blacksmith.
1: <laughs> it makes me want to tell this story, but better. Like I yeah, like it, yeah like yeah clear. yeah yeah like I, I I kind of want to like write some fan fiction about this. I want to like r- write my own story, <laughs> like the just this story again, but good.
3: Spider You can have like a whole After. Lord of the Flies slant. Where, like, there's, like, infighting within all of the of Kulan Goth's, like, followers. So, like, right. You know, like, there's just so much you could do with this from a story perspective.
0: Right, yeah. right. Ugh. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? I, one thing I got to say, though, I know you like the blue and gold era of X-Men, but I still prefer letting Chris Claremont do whatever he wants and sometimes falling on his face, but then sometimes giving us brilliant stuff. I'd rather mm-hmm. see that than kind of just more of a corporate comics that we tended to get in the 90s so i'll give it that you know he was doing whatever he wanted good or bad but anyway <laughs> so with that i definitely want to thank harvey brent uh from full volume for joining us that's
3: full volume podcast <laughs> at the comic <laughs> <laughs> uh, every, sunday. Yep, in every in. sunday yeah every yeah, sunday time slot every yep. sunday
2: mm-hmm. tune in next sunday where our special guest is joshua mervell
3: in in lieu of me actually i i can't make it i'm moving
2: oh yeah
1: yeah no josh I mean... you're gonna have to replace me all right i'll try my best but
0: <laughs> he's gonna do and a then... shit job i just know it
1: <laughs> no mike i mean fair, but ouch
0: and then i also want to thank gi Jolie for joining us i uh, i know this wasn't the best x-men but Why
2: is an X-Men never good when I'm invited? I feel like Becca. (laughs) When you ask her to read lousy Peter Parker stories. (sighs) This is is exactly what Becca feels like.
1: I I would have loved to hear what Becca had to say about this.
0: Oh. Oh, man.
2: (laughs) Just call her separately. You know (laughs) what? We can always read.
0: Yeah. Episode (laughs)
2: 79.5.
0: Yeah, we'll just do the episode again next week.
1: Perfect. All
0: right. <laughs> no. <laughs> mm, <laughs> All right.
1: No, not this one.
0: Go back All right, well, Josh, you can take it from here.
1: Uh, we also want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, it really helps when you leave us a review o- over on Apple Podcast, or if you drop us a line on Twitter at, at Spidercast. Um, please hit us up and, and let us know what you think about the issues that we're talking about and the podcast itself. We definitely want to keep this... Uh, comic conversation going
0: that's right so until next monday spider friends go for it get out of
1: here go for it
0: yeah (laughs) okay